Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Neighborhood Church. This message was given by Larry Vold. All right, well, listen, find your sermon outline there in your bulletin if you haven't already done so. And let's make our way to the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4. You'll find that on page 1891 in that book rack Bible, everybody's Bible open, please. This would be a great moment just to whisper a prayer of God, speak to me. Lord, speak through our pastor, speak to the people sitting around me, speak to our church, transform our lives, make us more like you. Great opportunity just to just welcome the Lord's spirit to now just open our hearts to his word. We're well underway in this series we've entitled Service with a Smile, the Transformative Power of Doing for Others. We actually have four more weeks that we're going to dive even deeper and maybe a little bit more thoroughly into the subject. Uh, But I trust so far it's been encouraging to you. And and all the way already we've experienced the big question of service. Who are we going to serve? We've looked at the foundation of service. Jesus Christ is Lord. We are his slaves. We've looked at the example of service. It's Jesus that we see what service is all about. Last week, we looked at the attitude of service. We get to serve. It's a privilege to serve. And today, we come to the topic of God's plan for service. What does it look like? And I've entitled this, Use Your Gift. The entire plan for service that God has designed is found right here in two little verses, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Follow along as I read. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. And everyone said... Amen. Now that's amazing, but that's the most succinct passage of Scripture that talks about God's plan for service that I can find in all of the New Testament. It deals with such a simple plan, and we're going to unfold that plan right from the text, looking at five principles of what God's plan for service is all about. For those of you that are a little more aware of the biblical teaching on God's plan for service, And if you're not as familiar, you might want to jot down places like 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Those three chapters are very special on the idea of God's plan for service. Romans chapter 12, almost the entire chapter is devoted to God's plan for service. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in about verse 11 down through verse 16, is a beautiful charted path for God's plan for service. But right here in Peter's letter, we find two verses that are power-packed powerful on what it really means to serve, the plan God has for service. And so I want to teach these to you, and I'm very passionate about these things today. I believe these things are things that every one of us need to revisit in our lives whenever we think about what God's plan for service is. And so if you're taking notes, the first one comes in these first two words of the text where where we learn that God's plan for service means total involvement. Say those two words with me, total involvement. Now, I know I'm trading two words for two words, 
Peter uses the words each one. What he's saying, what he's stressing is that everyone needs to be involved in this thing called ministry. Everyone. Now I, I grew up in a little church across the bay where I didn't really see that modeled. I saw that there were some who were involved in service, but not everyone. There was the pastor and there were a few key leaders in the church. And as I grew up as a child watching what took place in that little church across the bay, it would seem as if one year one of the people that was very prominent would serve in one capacity and the next year he would just change seats with somebody around the table. A small group of people who continued to do the primary lifting, the heavy lifting of ministry, they were the ones that did it. And over the years that I grew up, I just saw all the same people basically leading and I'm talking about volunteers. I'm talking about people that got in the trenches and did the heavy lifting of service. I didn't really see model that it was everybody. Now I may have been told that at the time. Maybe I wasn't listening. Maybe I wasn't sensitive to the spirit of God's leading. Sometimes we don't hear things because we don't want to hear them. And that may have been the case with me. It was the case, I'm sure, on many occasions. But what I'm saying to you is that a lot of churches, a lot of Christ followers never really get the point that when it comes to God's plan for service, God wants everybody. He wants total involvement. It's not a small group. It's not uh, a partial group. It's not a majority, but not everybody. It's God wants everybody in the game. He wants all of us to be a part. From little kids all the way to senior citizens, he wants everyone. If you've been through our Life Transformation Seminars, you know that when you get to 301, you learn there that every member is a minister. And it's unfortunate that a lot of us take a lot of years and never really get to that point of realizing that, wow, God has gifted me, He's given me spiritual gifts that I can use to build up the body of Christ, but also impact the world out there. Because it's not just what we do here on Sundays, it's how we use the gifts God's given to us to impact a culture and a world that is around us that is desperately needing to see Jesus, desperately needing to understand the gospel, desperately needing to be set free by the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And we have all that, and the ability is, what I mean by having all that, we have the Spirit of God in us if we're Christ followers. We've been gifted to do supernatural work of growing, building the body of Christ, and infiltrating and impacting the world that Jesus Christ came to reach. And that's what this whole series has been about. It's been about the transformative power of doing for others. That we take the work that God puts on our hearts, not just here, but we take it off and around the culture and even around the world. Now, if we're going to get, if we're going to really believe that it's for everybody, there's a couple of obstacles that we're going to have to knock down in our lives. If you're taking notes, I would note, I wrote down in my notes, that one of the big obstacles I face is selfishness. Say that word, selfishness. That's an obstacle that keeps us from seeing a total, everybody in mentality. And the reality is, no matter who you are, no matter what church you're in, not everybody's involved. Not everybody's a part. And that's because there's this little thing called selfishness that's in every one of our hearts. And it's in my heart too. And we'd rather kind of do what we want to do. We don't want our schedule to be too challenged. And, and we kind of hear what options are. And, and frankly, a lot of times we just we say thanks but no thanks. But the, the Bible doesn't, for a Christ follower, doesn't give us that option. He doesn't say, well, if it fits into your schedule or if you've got, you know, if you've got a lot of discretionary time. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says each one, each one, everyone, total, all of us should be involved in using the gifts that God has given us. We need to break through this selfishness barrier. 
there's another barrier that I find or an obstacle that I find in my life too, and that's the obstacle of busyness. Not just selfishness, but say the word busyness. No time, we're booked every day, very little margin, discretionary time in our lives. In fact, for some of us, busyness is kind of like an idol. We kind of look at the busier we are, the more fulfilled we are. And little tools that are supposed to save a lot of time for us, things like cell phones and computers, have now become so ingrained into our daily lives that no matter where you are, where, where people could be grabbing a little uh, margin in their lives, they've filled up the margin with checking emails and sending texts, and, and I'm in that too. And we're all, wherever you are, if you've got a few couple seconds uh, where you're waiting for somebody, what do you do? You pull out your phone, if you've got a smartphone, and you check your email, and you get back to people, and, you do, and it, we, just, we just hem ourselves in with such a busy mindset that we really don't have time to be interrupted very much. Uh, Let's take our Bibles and go over to Matthew chapter 20 for a minute. Let me show you this in the life of Jesus. Let me show you the right view from the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter 20. Now in Matthew 20, we've uh, we've got two blind men who need healing, and they shout out to the Lord, Lord, have mercy on us. And the text says, look at verse 32. It says, Jesus stopped and called them. And they came to him, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, the story goes on from there, and Jesus does a miraculous healing. But what I want to point out to you is, as I've I've written down and and underlined in my own Bible, that in verse 32, Jesus stopped and called them. And if you have your own Bible there, you just maybe want to underline the little word stopped there. Some people uh, study the steps of Jesus. I think it's fun to study the stops of Jesus. The places where Jesus was what we would call, for a lack of a better word, interrupted. Used by God. If we're going to be used by God, if we're going to serve God, we've got to be willing to be interrupted like Jesus was. And most of Jesus' public ministry, most of his miracles, if you go through the gospel record, you find that they were what we would call interruptions. He was on his way somewhere, or he was coming back from somewhere, or he's taking his disciples to go do something. And in the process of all that, He's stopped. He's interrupted. Somebody reaches out in the crowd. Someone shouts out. Someone calls down to him. Someone speaks up to him. And Jesus stops. And if you study that in the Gospels, it's kind of a refreshing thing to see that Jesus was willing to be interrupted. And one of the reasons why we drive by people that are in need of help or we walk by people who are asking for help is that we just, frankly, we're we're not only selfish, but we're just too busy. And we just don't have time. We think, oh, I'd like to do something there, or I wish I could help out there, but I've got to run. I've only got a few minutes. And I'm, I find myself a lot in a hurry, and especially on Sundays. I have to say to myself a dozen times every Sunday, Larry, slow down. I do that. I purposefully tell myself, and I pray to the Lord. I say, Lord, slow me down, because I'm oftentimes just, boom, I'm in a hurry. I'll walk by, and this has happened, this is embarrassing. I'll walk by somebody, hey, how you doing? And they say, terrible, I've had a lousy week. Hey, good, good to see you. And I'm all, you know. And I go, wait, what did you just say? They said, I've had a terrible week. You see, a lot of times, I am sure I've actually done where I, or I didn't even register, and I just move on past somebody. Can you imagine how that would feel? Pastor, I've had a terrible week. Good, good to see you. Thanks for coming today crazy. Now, I'm just admitting to you that as a pastor, a lot of times I've got stuff on my mind. I may not hear what somebody is saying to me, and that's, that's embarrassing to mention, but that's sort of a, a microcosm of, of all of our lives. 
We're sort of busy and we're caught up in the moment. We don't really hear what people are saying. Um, I love the proverb, Proverbs 3.28 in the message translation. Proverbs 3.28. Never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. A lot of times we say maybe later. What about now? Servant-hearted people don't let themselves to be so busy that they can't stop and help and get involved. John Wesley, 18th century preacher, he and his brother Charles, they did a great work in Scotland and Wales and England and they even came, they had a ministry here in America as well. Uh, the founders of the Methodist movement in our country, and, uh, you know, different perhaps in some of the theology but, but a beautiful ministry, Char- uh, John Wesley and his brother Charles. Charles wrote numbers of hymns that have made it into the church over the years and we've sung them and I'm sure you would recognize them as well. But John Wesley... Uh, had a, a significant ministry with the outcasts. He had a prison reform ministry. He was part of the abolitionist movement. If you study the life of John Wesley, you find that he was really involved in the gritty stuff of culture. And that's because he believed that the gospel could liberate anybody and change anybody's life. And he had a slogan, a saying that I've caught and written in my notes for this today, and you've heard me say it before. But he said this, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, by all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, for as long as you ever can. Wow. Now that's something you could tuck away in your heart, remind, like, Lord, would you just put that in my spirit today, that everywhere I go today I can be a messenger of your love, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your touch, so that we can carry out this mandate that Peter's saying in 1 Peter chapter 4 where he says, each one total involvement. And if you're going to do that, you got to knock down selfishness, you got to knock down busyness, you got to carve some time, you got to be willing to be interrupted. So here's your little action point for this week. And I and I'm going to remind myself this week every day I'm going to ask you the same. Look for the opportunity that you don't think you've got time for but is presented in your in your encounter, whatever whatever you're doing. And it might be you might be driving somewhere, you might be walking somewhere, you might see a need, a need that you could address, a need that you might meet and be willing to stop. You know, a few weeks ago, there was a gal in our church who was introduced to someone that came to our church who uh, needed a place to stay. And she was out on the streets. She was living out of her car. Her car had gotten stolen. And she was up here at the church. And she had uh, made her way around a little bit. And, and, you know, we were very conscious of the fact this is not a place where people could come or should come and sort of like beg and, and look that way. But this person was introduced to this young gal and they got to talking and she invited her. This was amazing to me. I, she invited her into her home. She had uh, an extra bedroom that was going to be available for a few days. Uh, one of her family members, I believe, was out of town. And she said, I've got some room and so come. And so for, for a good part of the next week, this woman in our church just ministered to a gal that she didn't know. And, and that's pretty risky. Most of us probably wouldn't feel comfortable bringing a stranger into our home. But obviously, one of the gifts God had given her was the gift of hospitality. She was a, a person that wanted to reach out. She saw a need. She reached out. And she had a significant impact in this person's life. Uh, she was able to help this person find a place where she could be, where she could get some tools to get started back in her life, a very difficult situation. And that just so blessed my life. It was like, wow, that's courageous. That's gutsy. That's pricey. That's, it's got all the, all the measurements of what, what I believe Jesus would say, thank you for understanding my heart. And all of us in little and big ways, if we're willing to be interrupted, 
And it may not be that dramatic, but it might be helping somebody in the moment. It might be stopping to pray and give something to somebody. I don't know what it might be for you. But I'm going to ask myself, I'm going to say, Lord, this week, give me eyes to see. I want to be sensitive to it because that's the first step of being a servant of the Lord is being available to be used by him. And no one else can tell you what that is. I'm not going to tell you, and people shouldn't put pressure on you either way. That's something that we have to hear from the Spirit of God. And so Paul agrees with this in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, where he says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Each one for the common good. So that's the first part of God's plan for service is that there's total involvement. Say it one more time. Total involvement. Let's look at a second principle that comes right out of verse 10 also. Back to 1 Peter chapter 4. Everybody back to 1 Peter chapter 4. Where this little phrase where Peter says, we should use whatever gift we have received. I see in that, in that phrase that, that, that a plan, God's plan for service, not only means total involvement, but it means thoughtful development. Say that with me. Thoughtful development. Now, I use the adjective thoughtful because while it isn't rocket science, using our gifts, the gifts that God gives to us, does need thoughtful development. For some of us, it happens quite naturally. For others of us, we need to, we need to sort of grab a hold and, and, and work at it a little bit. Now, there's some obstacles, just like there is to total involvement, there's obstacles that I, that I want to call out in terms of thoughtful development. And the first obstacle that I've observed in my life and sometimes in the lives of brothers and sisters around me is the obstacle of what I call overanalyzing. Overanalyzing. Some of us overanalyze the gifts. What I mean by that is that we're told that if we're going to use our gifts, the only way to use our gifts is that we need to take a spiritual gift assessment it needs to be proctored by a mature believer who's currently practicing his or her gifts in a way that uh, gives credence to what they're talking about. We should take time to study and pray. We should look for the, all the nuances of the Greek language for all of these gifts, and we should parse every verb that describes how the gift is actually put into process. I'm getting a little facetious here. What I'm saying is a lot of us have the paralysis of analysis. We are stuck in overanalyzing something that's actually very simple. The best way to discern what your spiritual gifts are is to simply ask yourself a simple question. And the question is this, what would I love to do for God? Because God matches our desires with where he's given us gifts. It's simple. And yes, we can take spiritual gifts assessments, but sometimes spiritual gift assessments and they can be good tools, but sometimes they route us in ways we think, well, you know, I take this spiritual gift assessment and I discover, gee, my best fit is to be in the parking lot serving on the traffic team. Now, I'm just, I'm going to be a little silly here for a minute because that's a great ministry. I'm not demeaning it, but that may not be the place where God has you. So there you are out there directing traffic and you're going, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. Huh? <laughs> <gasps> you know, stop, you know. And people rolling down their window, I want to park here, you know, whatever. But you're in a church, I don't care, you know, whatever. Can I just be honest? Sometimes weird things happen in the parking lot out there. And it takes a special person that not only has the gift of service, but probably has the gift of mercy and maybe the gift of discernment. And if there was a spiritual gift of jumping out of the way quickly, might be that gift too. I'm just saying a spiritual gift assessment might send you to a place where you feel like you're banished for the next whatever years. 
The point is, what do you want to do? And what, what do you have a desire to do? God is likely to put up spiritual gifts in your life that sort of are, are itching at and, and begging the question for us to take some steps. Some of us are overanalyzing, and we need to just jump in a little bit. That's why we've said it the last few weeks. Do a first serve. Try something. If you're not sure, you're, you know, it's okay not to be sure. Try something. I talked to someone this morning in the pizza line, <laughs> and they said, wow, I've been working in this area, and it's been great. I've been doing it for a year, but you know what? I'd like to do something else. Is that okay? I said, bingo. Yes. It's okay to change. It's okay to move in a new direction. And so that person was just kind of fired up this morning. I kind of wish they would have got it out of the sermon, not out of the pizza line. But the point is, if you feel like you're not in the place where God's fitted you to be, then keep looking, keep moving. But watch this. Don't stop serving. Someone once said that it's easier to direct a moving object than to get something started that isn't moving. And that's where some of us are. You know, when I taught my kids how to drive, it's a good illustration, just think about it. When I taught my kids to drive, some of them were, they, they were they had the paralysis of analysis. And I would tell, especially when I taught, we had a clutch-driven car, and my oldest daughter actually taught her to drive on a clutch. That never happens anymore, it seems. But I taught Katie to drive on a clutch, and I was really excited about it. So there we are, I'm telling her everything, and so she's looking at it, and you know, you think, okay, clutch, gas, you know, am I in gear, drive, looking around, you know, all this stuff to remember. And I remember at one point just kind of looking at her and going, hey, you got to start out, otherwise you're not going to find out what it's like. Let that be for some of us a little illustration that we got to start out. Yeah, you're going to kill it. You're going to drop from first gear into third gear, and that's going to be weird. And you're going you're gonna to try to go up a hill, and you're going to be in too uh, high of a gear, and it's not going to work out. All of those things are going to happen, when you, when, but you've got to be moving. So, so let's move. That's the first obstacle needs to go down if you're going to see that, that, that service is, is thoughtful development. The second obstacle that needs to come down is ignorance or indifference. And there's a lot of places we could look, but I just highlight 1 Corinthians 12, because in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11, Paul dutifully reminds his readers there that there's a lot of different gifts, and there's out of those gifts, different kinds of service, and out of those different kinds of service, different kinds of results. So one person using his gift, it's the same gift, if you're using service in the parking lot, great, you might have a greater experience using service in being a runner in our children's ministry. I don't know. Just saying you can have the same spiritual gift, but it can have a different manifestation, and it can have a different result. And that's the beauty of the variety of the body of Christ. So don't get stuck in anything, and don't be ignorant about that. And that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, about spiritual gifts, I don't want anybody to be ignorant. Why? Because verse 7 of chapter 12 says, we should each one use our gift for the common good. So when it comes to 1 Peter, what Peter's saying is, when it comes to God's plan, total involvement, say it with me, number one, total involvement. Number two, thoughtful development. Thirdly, I see in this passage, also in verse 10, that God's plan for service means mutual encouragement. Say that with me. Mutual encouragement. These three little words here in verse 10, to serve others is a beautiful mutuality that is recognized. Our service is about others. It's always about others, 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 others. The vocabulary of our lives tends to be me, mine, I. And God wants us to expand that vocabulary to 
you and you all and others, people that are not in my, even my, my little personal circle. I talked to someone in the Connection Center this morning. They haven't been back to the neighborhood in a long time. They walked in and I just eye to eye and they said, what is this? <laughs> they haven't seen the Connection Center. They're like, what is the deal? Pizza's on Sunday now? They were like just totally taken away. And I just explained, hey, we're in Volunteer Appreciation Month. A lot of fun. We're just celebrating our volunteers. Here's our Connection Center. This is where people are taking steps. And I'm looking around, and I'm seeing our ministry sites out there. Today we're featuring about a half a dozen really neat ministry sites. In the midst of all the festivity, make sure you look at the ministries that we're highlighting. And he said to me, just unsolicitedly, he said, I've been a part of a church in Southern California. And he goes, you know, to be honest, it's been really hard because I feel like it's just so clicky. Everybody's into their little clicks and I'm trying to break in and I don't feel like I can break in. And I thought, wow, I'm going to remind all of us this morning that there are people sitting in our midst today who feel like we are clicky. And I don't, I don't think we feel we are, but if people feel like they're on the outside and they're trying to knock to get in somewhere... That's the way it feels. So, reason we have the Connection Center is so that if anybody comes into this ministry, number one, they can hang out with some people and get to know some people in a friendly environment. I think we do a really good job with that. I, I appreciate that. But so also, if you really want to be connected, you can walk up to one of those tables and say, hey, could I do a first serve with you guys? Just show me what you're doing. I'd love to be a part of it. And immediately, you will be inducted into a group of people that will care for you, love you, want you to be there because you're a part of now what they hope and what they believe God's wanting them to do. And that's going to be part of your vision too. So then the thought hit me throughout last week and especially last night as on my face praying about this message this morning. I was thinking, Lord, has all the festivity and all the celebration raised the water table? Are there more of our people now saying, we, we, we get it, we believe it, we're in, we want to serve, we haven't been, we've been sitting back, maybe we've been judgmental, maybe we feel like the church is clicky, maybe we feel like we've tried, we turned in the slip, nobody called us, that happens too. And some of us have had kind of a raw experience that way, and we're not sure which way to go. And the Lord is just kind of, as I'm praying last night, I'm thinking maybe it's a good reminder to all of us that all of this is about exposure. It's about celebration. It's about this is what God applauds. He loves to see his people involved. Not, not in the sense of, of uh, losing the fact that we're doing it for Jesus. We're not doing it to serve a pastor or a church community. We're doing it because we want to serve Jesus. And there's just lots of doorways into that, and I hope that that will be an encouragement to us. And I hope that at the end of this little fun month that we've had together, and by the way, the pizzas, they are fantastic. And I'm just going to tell everyone right now, we're going to do this again. We're going to surprise you from time to time. Hey, it's Pizza Sunday. I mean, I think that's going to be fun because a lot of us leave here, we jump off our campus, but for the last three weeks, I've noticed people hang out, they love to talk with each other, there's connection happening, and my goodness, if we can do that over a pizza, that is good investment. And it also tastes pretty good, too. So just a little thought there. We're going to do that more, and we're going to do it again, but I can't wait to find out how our ministries are doing. Do we have more people involved? There are more people saying, hey, count me in. I want to be a part of this thing called service in the body of Christ. And what happens when we do that, there's mutual encouragement. We get blessed. We get encouraged. Think of what Paul said to, first, to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Read this out loud with me. Ready? Here we go. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. 
And let's just go to Hebrews 3.13. Let's read that one too. It's a great verse. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know, your, my encouragement, your encouragement to someone today could keep them from being hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know what sin's deceitfulness is? Telling you that you're not worth anything, telling you that you have nothing to offer, telling you that you couldn't you know, be a part of a great ministry or God couldn't use you to impact your culture or your community. Sin's deceitfulness narrows us and pigeonholes us and puts us in places where we're just away and out of commission. And that's what the enemy wants to do in all of our lives. But the Lord Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to move us into community, meaningful community. Let us not give up, Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up meeting together as is the habit of some, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day. That's the day of Christ's return, as we see the day approaching. The day is approaching, folks. Boy, we don't hear enough about that either. We're so in the now, the today. Jesus is coming back. Hello? And, and we need to be about the business of encouraging and strengthening our brothers and sisters in the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways we do that is, is, is by showing up to our post here and getting off this campus and seeing our lives a testimony to touch a needy world in the PTA, in the parent club at school, in the classroom at school, in the soccer team, in the basketball team, helping out in communities and outreach and helping out at the local shelter, wherever God might lead us off our campus to be salt and light wherever we go. There's a fourth thing I see in this passage, verse 10, 1 Peter 4. I see God's plan for service also means smart investment. Say that with me. Smart investment. Now, I wish I had a little more time, but it's okay. I don't need a lot more time to basically give you the upshot of what this is found. Verse 10, where it says, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. For some, here's, there's obstacles in this too. Some of us see our gifts like things to be placed in a showroom. We like them to be clean and neat and put together, but we don't really road test them very much. Uh, others of us have used our gifts and now we feel like it's, it's a museum piece. And we want to just let people see what was done and, and sort of we put ourselves out of commission. And might I suggest to you that God, when it comes to our spiritual gifts, it's not about the showroom and it's not about the museum. It's about action. It's about staying plugged in. And, and if there is this idea of administrating God's grace. Look at it again in verse 10. The translation of that, I think a better translation would be as good stewards. This word faithfully administrating is a word that means stewardship. It means that, that we, are, we are nothing but carriers of a message. It's not us. That's why we're not into showrooms and museum pieces. Because we're just doing what the masters told us to do. And we're, we're caught up in this idea of stewardship, not ownership. And, and all of us could use a little bit of sharpening. And what that means, what that means is we have to make choices. We have to choose. If we, if, if we are stewards, not owners, then where is the best place to use my spiritual gifts? What is the best ministry? What is the ministry that needs the gifting that God has given me the most? Where do I have most passion? And that you could open that up even bigger. Where, where is the church... Or the body of Christ, the local body that could use the gifts that God has given me the most strategic, 
most strategically. And so all this is choices. And sometimes I think we're like this big sleeping giant where a lot of us just kind of let others, and we don't realize that God wants us to be in the process, and it means that we have to make some choices. Maybe, here's, hear your pastor tell you this, maybe the gifting that God's given you and the passion that God's given you would be better fit in a place that doesn't have as many people that have that gift and that passion as we have here. And maybe God would move you off this hill to a church that could desperately use a fired up worker gifted by the Spirit of God to do a work that would be highly unique in that place. Now, now hear my heart. I mean, I, I think there's a place for everybody here in the sound of my voice to be more plugged in, to use their gifts, to expand the kingdom of God here in the ministry of neighborhood church and off this hill in our community But if it's not happening for you here, then hear your pastor tell you this. I will help you. I will use every resource possible to help you find the place where you can use your spiritual gift if it's not here at Neighborhood Church. There's a lot of great churches out there, folks. And there's a lot of great things that could be happening, but it's going to mean some hard choices. Faithfully administering. Here's a fifth thing, lastly. And I know I'm kind of reaching on this statement. But God's plan for service means total involvement, thoughtful development, mutual encouragement, smart investment. But it also means magnificent wonderment. And I see this as Peter goes down through this text. He says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, and to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is what is known in Scripture as a doxology. It is an expression of God's glory. And oftentimes, it's at the very end of the book. Here, Peter just sort of explodes into this doxology because, listen, because he knows that when the church is being the church, when God's people are obedient to God's command, when we're doing what God's called us to do, when we are His slaves and He is our master and we're following His command, who gets the glory? He does. When the church functions like the church, there's nothing more beautiful. There's nothing more glorious. There's nothing more grand when the church is the church. And every story I hear and every person that I talk to that gets it, that understands that it's not about our stuff, it's not about our glory, it's about the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ while God has given us time until He comes or until we go home to be with Him. Heard the story this week of a young gal who's been very bitter about her mom having cancer and frankly wanted to take a walk on the wild side just thinking that God wasn't in it anymore because she loves her mother so much and it appears that her mom has an incurable cancer. But I heard the story this week unfold that in the story of this young woman's life who's a college student up uh, at a UC, she's decided to just take off whatever it takes. She's just dropping out of school. She told her dad, it's ridiculous that we're going to have someone come in and care for my mom who needs to hear scripture, who needs to have prayers prayed, who needs a Christian giving care to her, I'm going to be her caregiver. And I just said said to myself, Lord Jesus, that is so beautiful. Put my plans on hold. And just invest over here for whatever it's going to take. When the church is the church, it's beautiful. Do you know Christ this morning? Are you his servant? If you aren't, 
today is the day. If he's inviting you to give his, your life to him, today you can open your life. And if you know Christ this morning, then this is most succinctly God's plan for service in our lives today. Total involvement, thoughtful development, mutual encouragement, smart investment, magnificent wonderment. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. and Thank you for your church. Thank you for Neighborhood Church. Thank you for the blessing of serving. Thank you for the many people who over the last several years have, have understood that this is, this is the way transformation happens. We worship, we are in community, and we serve. And Lord, bless everyone that is understanding and following those tracks, Lord, because you're leading us together. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that today if you brought anyone to this place that needs a relationship with you, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd reveal them to them right now, Lord, that all their sins can be forgiven. And you can place your spirit into their lives because you rose again from the grave. You have led the way for us to live a different life, a life that is not rooted in self, but a life rooted in the love of Christ for people, for others. So, Lord, I pray that you might deepen all of us, deepen your past, the pastor here, Lord, the pastor of this church and all of our pastors. Deepen each one of us, Lord, in the power of your Holy Spirit. For, Lord, you are our shepherd and we serve you. And may it all be done to the glory of your name. Before I finish my prayer, I'm going to ask us all to stand together. Would you stand with me, please? And as I finish this prayer, I'm going to dismiss anyone who needs to be prayed for this morning. We have a place called a prayer room right out in our lobby area, right to the left. My left, your right. This morning, I'm going to dismiss right now our prayer room workers, anybody that needs to leave this auditorium to be prayed for right now. Lord Jesus, would you move on our hearts and may these last few minutes of this service be the most dynamic. May we hear your voice. May we listen for what you're saying to us and may we respond in total and complete obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional messages or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.